0: phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash speaks. That's betterhelp.com slash music speaks for 10% off your first month. And thank you again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode.
1: At checkout for 10% off your order.
0: That's right, James. Go to bonescoffee.com to kickstart your new coffee addiction and use the code MusicSpeaks for 10% off today. Like many
1: of you, we battled depression during life's ups and downs.
0: Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face.
1: Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music,
0: interview bands, break down genres review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox.
2: And now, the When Words Fail Music Speaks interview.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast. I'm your professional handicapped host, James Cox, and here we talk about how music helps with Fighting with depression and anxiety. Uh, I have a great interview today. So we're going to let's go right, right now. So his name is Gerard Longo. Did I say that right? Yes. Because usually I get it wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> I I, do. I, get, I get Gerald all the time. Oh, do, so. oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The, my, See, my dad's name is Gerald. And that's not how you spell Gerald. So, yes. You caught it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, I, you know, I, I do. I do pretty good research here. So. All right. So, um. Gerard uh, started Underground Music Co- Music Collective in PA in Pennsylvania with a vision to create a direct ecosystem for emerging artists to build awareness for their music and uh, and access and access resources to help guide them get, get, get to guide in the business side of the industry, which is always super super important. Uh, since that time, UMC has grown into the Nash- Nashville market and developed partnerships with major brands, including CAA, Universal Music Group, Redfin, Red Bull, and NFL Tennessee Titans. That's a lot of, that, that's some good, good things we got going on. Gerard, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Yeah. So, okay, so we are you are in Nashville, Tennessee right now, correct? yeah okay yeah yeah okay.
2: so we're we're in Nashville I've been here since the end of 2018 so it'll be five years in November um moved from Bethlehem Pennsylvania and you know we started as Lehigh Valley Underground up there in the Lehigh Valley region of PA uh and just to kind of give you a little bit of the cliff's notes you know we yeah. started as a blog up there before that you know started the Quinn spin podcast so I'm a podcaster myself uh that started in my native New Jersey actually in 2013 and i moved to bethlehem which is where i went to college started a blog around the podcast and you know we had some good success there in the local music scene but you know around mid to late 2018 started to think well what else can this thing be and so nashville came calling i was looking for a music market nashville was the one that ended up making the most sense i had friends who lived here just things just started lining up and monday after thanksgiving 2018 it was just me and whatever would fit my car coming on down so yeah i've been here Almost five years, and it's been quite a journey. Uh, The journey is ever-evolving, ever-continuing, and just excited grateful to be on it.
1: So Nashville, Tennessee, is a place that I've always wanted to live. I don't know why. Well, I I know why, because it's it's the music capital of the world, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you you have your country music, you you, you rock and stuff. Um, But um, I was interviewing with Tommy Vext, and he says that, that... Nashville is, is mostly country music oriented. Um do you find that to be
2: true or like uh, like are you like a big country fan? So I I mean I as far as my personal tastes go I like at least elements of every genre, okay. right? And that's why you know I I say that's why I'm the perfect person to run a music publication, right? Because and, and and a digital, the digital resource we've become. We're not just a publication anymore. Um, you know, we have so much going on, but I appreciate music in general. I always have um, you know, any genre whatsoever. You know, I mean, if you know, you look at any playlist that I have, any personal playlist, like it's just across the board, just eclectic and versatile and makes no sense to you know to the eye but you know it's it's all part of the story it's all it's all art you know created by folks who had something to say and you know that's I think for my tastes you know the most important thing you know I always used to say I still say sometimes like I like music that sounds like the person making it tried right, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. from there yeah. from there you know the genre doesn't really make a difference I mean I've just as big a hip-hop fan as i am a rock fan as i am an americana fan as you know it really just depends you know what is the story what is the meaning what is the feeling and the reaction it elicits as far as nashville goes you know i think it's funny you said that because when i was getting ready to move here everyone in pennsylvania was like well i hope you like country music because that's all that's there it's not all that's here it's good it's good. so diverse. And great. Of course, it's, you know, the home of country music, like you have the Grand Ole Opry, you have the Ryman, you have like all these country music institutions. And if you were to take a walk down Broadway, then that's what you would see, right? Is you would see, you know, all the honky tonks owned by the country artists, you know, the big, the big name country artists who are selling out the stadiums, but go off of Broadway and you will find pop. You will find rock. Nashville has a very good and very underserved hip hop community there's anything you could wish to find here in Nashville. And that's that's what I love about it, especially as more and more people have begun to move here to nashville yeah. from elsewhere new york la all over the country all over the world like you're starting to see more and more of those influences come into the mix so i mean country americano like that songwriter culture definitely still has its foothold foothold here you know you're more pop country and bro country as they call it definitely has a foothold bro, here Bro country, so <laughs> does everything, well yeah. so does everything else yeah. Though, yeah. you know yeah. and it's like so no matter what like if you're a music fan, you can find something to appreciate here. You might not find it down on Broadway, but you will find it somewhere in this city, and that's what's really exciting about it. And, you know, especially for me, for somebody who before my first visit down here, a couple weeks before I moved here, I I knew nothing about Nashville. You know, that was my first like taste of the city. Like, right. it's really exciting and a comfort to me to know that there's anything here that you could possibly want.
1: Yeah.
2: It's what. Well, Okay, so I guess
1: the term "bro country" just started with with Florida Georgia line. I guess they coined it, right? Because so I they, never they heard were, it before. So I'm like, okay, well, this is a new thing. Wow, okay.
2: I would say they were probably one of the pioneers of bro country for yeah. sure. Uh, you know what what's known as bro country. You know, it's yeah. You know, I, I think mainstream country, you know, does get a lot of flack, you know, oh, as it does. Far as, yeah. You know, being trucks and beer, you know, like blue jeans <laughs> on a dirt road. Like, and there's certainly there certainly is that. And, you know, there's a place for it, just like there's a place for anything else, you know, right. and it all really just comes down to your taste. You know, as a music fan, you're not required to like everything, but that is an audience for everything. You know, right. I mean, you think of all the flack, like going outside of country, you think all the flack, like a band like Nickelback has gotten over the years. They get, they get a lot of flack, but they also sell out arenas. You know what I mean. They also have this strong, rabid fan base who picks up what they put down. It all it's all a matter of taste. You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with liking what you like, and that's the thing that I think. You know, gets lost in this in this meme culture where it's easy to just poke fun at whatever the thing is to poke fun at every day. The fact is, what resonates with you resonates with you, and that's fine. Whether that's bro country, whether whatever genre that is, you know, right. it's all valid. It's all art. It all has an audience.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that Nickel since Nickelback, let's talk about it for a minute. I think they got a bad rap because they have great songs that aren't played on the radio, and I think that they. I, the the radio overplayed them, and I think that's why many people don't don't like them anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, what 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 do you uh think about when you hear the word Nickelback?
2: You know, it's funny because like, Chad,
1: I mean, Ted, I mean, Ted says a lot of stuff too, so I mean, <laughs> that.
2: Nickelback. I think it became cool to hate Nickelback because it was just one of those things on the internet that it became cool to hate, like the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. Like like a meme. Yeah. You know, know, like it's just one of those things, like somebody started hating it on the internet and somehow it just caught fire and nobody's really sure why they hate the Dallas Cowboys or Joe Buck, the announcer or Nickelback, but they just do because (laughs) that's the thing on the internet. But like, I don't know. I've, I personally don't see the point in that. I've actually seen Nickelback live. They opened for Bon Jovi up this is like almost 20 years ago in 2006 up at giant stadium before MetLife was even built up in Jersey. And they're a good band. They're a good live band. They, they put forth, you know, a really engaging performance. They're incredible musicians. Like they're able to really bring, bring the fire, you know, like, and that's just the thing. It's like, just because you know something gets a bad rap, just because something is, you know, criticized, you know, in popular culture doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And now, like, you know, I'm glad now Nickelback's kind of going out and doing interviews. I've I've seen um, you know, a couple podcast interviews. I actually had a friend of mine who has a podcast, uh, Barstool Backstage is actually his podcast. And Chad Kroger was on there and they were talking about the whole nickelback hate thing and how it just kind of arose out of this internet culture, you know, which again, we all know that the internet and technology has done plenty of wonderful things for us. And it's also contributed in some not so good ways. So really, I mean, what it comes down to is make your own determination. Like what you like, it really isn't that big a deal.
1: Right. And I, and I love that you're so, um, that your music taste is so like out of like, like I have various music that just as, as you, I mean, you go through my list of, you know, um, country to body count, to you know, I mean, uh, to transactions, Jackson, it's all over the place, just like you. And I think you're one of the um people was in the correct market area that has that has uh, a vast collection of music likes. You know, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I feel like if if you know about all kinds of music, then you can help people more with what they have to, you know, they have to offer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the thing is like, you know, growing up, like, I, I, I actually did another interview last week where I talked about this a bit, yeah. uh, where, you know, growing up, I, I really took cues for my sister, I, I have an older sister, and you know, so we were both born in the eighties, new kids on the block was a big thing in our house growing up. <laughs> and yeah. so she loved new kids on the block. So therefore I did, you know, as a toddler and, and a really young kid, like I wanted to be Jordan Knight when I was little, I put on Christmas. Eve <laughs> Everybody Christmas. did. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. we
2: didn't want to be Jordan Knight back in the eighties and nineties. And even today, like the guy can still bring it. I just yeah. saw them at, I just saw them at Bridgestone. I went on my own last year just yeah. to, just because it's, been for as long as i can remember like they were my first favorite band which you would never expect but they were and it gave me an appreciation for pop r&b you know kind of that blue-eyed soul that like even today like shows up in on my playlist and in my musical taste you know it was mm-hmm. new kids on the Block and boys to men were my two, two first favorite bands and then you know as you go like Start mixing more rock stuff in there, you know, Bon Jovi came into the fold, you know, when I was in middle school, Our Lady Peace, when I was in high school, they're my favorite band ever, Canadian band, for those who aren't familiar, huge up there, they've had some big hits down here too, Um, Dirty Heads now, which they fuse every genre you can imagine under the sun from album to album, you know, sometimes, you know, from song to song, you know, so... You know, but I'm glad that I've been exposed to so many different genres and that I've been able to keep an open mind, you know, and that's the thing that we really try to keep intact at Underground Music Collective, too, is like we don't want to leave any genres behind, Good, you know, because there are definitely outlets that like, you know, they'll cater toward a particular taste, a particular genre and all well and good. But like our role in this is to create community around the art being created. And to give people a platform because we realize that we're all starting from zero. We're all as independent artists, as independent creatives, whether you're a musician, whether you're on the industry side of things, whatever you do as an independent creative, like you're building from nothing, you're building something from nothing. And one thing I always find myself saying is the rising tide raises all boats. Right. And so we are only as strong as the community we build around us. And if that community ends up fragmented, siloed, you know separate by genre or, or taste or whatever like we're only going to go so far together so it helps us to all pull together and band together it's a strength in numbers thing you know because it's a tough industry you know it's a tough industry it's a tough gig trying to build this thing on your own while you've got bills to pay while you've got different responsibilities in life you, you know right. Right? Yeah. especially yeah. depending where yeah. you are in life you know if you know it gets even more challenging if you have children, if you're married, if you own a home, like, you know, I, I have the good fortune of being single and living on my own right now. Like I don't really in my day-to-day life answer to anyone, you know, in a personal Mm. sense. So it's like, I just get to focus all my energy on this, you know, but not everyone's in that situation. And so the more we band together and are here to help each other, you know, by using the time and talent that we have, the better, regardless of how that might be, categorized via genre or anything else right
1: yeah um it's it's funny you mentioned the the music music industry because i want to dive a little deeper into that uh so we've been doing i've been doing this uh, interviewing um musicians and and people like you for three years now congratulations thank you (laughs) that's that's very nice to just say that um so during that time i've learned that a lot of people a lot of musicians now are going independent because they're very uh angry, upset about how the um the record labels take advantage of them, you know. Mm. Uh and, and I just learned that like, from like a few years back that uh yes, okay, so you do, you you do, you do get to sign with them, sign with a major label. Rating. And yes, you might get like a million dollars or a million too, you know. But that's not free money that they're giving you. You have to pay that back within sales and whatnot, you know, mm, and, yeah, and and I think that's that's confusing for new artists to come around and and uh, ex- expect that to happen for them, you know, because to them I think it's like free money. Um, can you can you dive deep and and tell us like what new artists new artists should they expect and if they should sign with a major label or or go indie.
2: Hmm. I I think like most else in life, it's circumstantial, you know, it's situational, you know, like there, there are decisions that will make more sense for you at one point in your journey that might not make as much sense in another, you know, (laughs) I think it, it all comes down, I think any opportunity, whether you choose to remain independent, whether you sign with a label, whatever you do, it comes down to okay, like the thing happened, you made your decision. Yeah. What are you going to do now to follow up that decision? You know, like you said, like, you know, you'll get a record label advance and the mistake that artists might make, especially if they're not experienced or they're not thinking too far ahead is treating it as free money that they can just spend. Well, yeah. if it's an advance, yes, the label's going to expect that back. So like have a plan right. and make that plan, execute that plan, you know, and as an independent artist, you know, maybe you're not going to have that kind of situation where you owe a label money or, you know, you have that advance given to you, but inherently you're not going to necessarily have the resources at your disposal, especially at the beginning to build. Right. Mm -hmm. So being an independent artist in the beginning is a tough go in its own right. in, In some ways, because you are responsible for everything starting out. Again, we're all starting from zero here. And over time, like as you learn lessons and as you learn your strengths and weaknesses, and as you start to generate some income and some revenue, then that's when you can start to build a team to fill the holes, you know, like assess what you're good at, assess what you're not, hire people that can help fill those roles. And also not even a matter of whether you're good at it or not. Sometimes you just don't have time to take certain things on, you know, like right (sighs) now, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm on that part of the journey myself right now where it's like Underground Music Collective is growing and we have a lot happening within our ecosystem right now. And there's no way at this point that I could ever go back to doing it myself. I have to give a shout out to Brandy Sims and Branding PR. They are such a huge, huge help to us at UMC, not just on the media relations end, but just helping move the bigger picture projects forward right. that like in the day-to-day rush of keeping the content going, keeping my client's happy and just you know showing up for life like the big picture stuff often is what most gets you know is what most often gets pushed to the back burner you know for any independent artist it's just because other things come up in life other things come up in business we all have fires to put out right Mm -hmm. so being able to get to the point in your journey where you know what good is and you know how to approach that how to how to bring the right people in to deliver that quality so then you can focus on your strengths and you can focus on what you need to do on your role in pushing this whole thing forward i think is really key you know so it really i mean it just comes down to your journey is your journey and again different things are going to make sense for you based on different points based on different circumstances situations that you're in but it's all a matter of making decisions and then letting that inform the path forward as far as what comes next at the end of the day, like there are certainly bad deals. There are certainly situations where people get taken advantage of in this industry. And I don't want to make light of that, but at the same time, like read the signs, understand, you know, where you've been, understand, you know, before you decide to work with somebody, you know, maybe see what other people's experiences have been working with that person, working with that organization, and then determine if it's right for you. You know, if, you're not comfortable you know, having an advance and assuming that risk, then maybe staying independent and getting your ducks in a row and building your team organically mm-hmm. is the right move for you. It all comes down to your level of comfort, your level of experience, and how those inform your journey forward.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're, you're helping your audience come about because for me, I mean, it sounds like the music industry is very hard and very confusing because if you get signed by a label... It, they'll they'll promote you, you know, all the time, but take more than half of your money. If you go if you go indie, you'll you'll get all the money, but no no almost no not almost something no promotion, you know. So it's very confusing, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're independent, though, there are a bunch of other independent creators hiring a list on your team, you know, right. like you can you can hire a publicist, you can hire a manager when you're ready for that. I think the most important part before you make those decisions is make sure you know what story you're trying to tell. Make sure you understand who you are as an artist. Artist coaching, I think, is a very useful thing. And we just launched a coaching program at Underground Music Collective where we identify, like, first and foremost, like, what's your mission? What's your vision? What are your values that inform those things? So then you can craft your story around those and you can set goals that are relevant to those so you're not wasting all this time on things that don't serve you that don't bring you into further alignment with that you know and that helps artists better understand like who they are what they're trying to accomplish so then they know what to look for when they're looking to make that kind of hire on the independent level you know and and looking to build their team or you know conversely alternatively you know maybe from there they decide you know what having that label support would be a good thing and treating it as an investment. Like, yeah, you know, the label does get a cut of what you get and the people involved, but at the end of the day, it's an investment back in your career. You know, it's, it's money that you would have spent anyway hiring people independently, you know, like no matter what, whether you choose to remain independent, whether you sign to a label, nobody can do this alone. You can do it alone for a little while when you're first starting out, figuring it out, like, of course, you can put your music up on the streaming platforms. You can have your social media handles, all that. But to really build your artistry as a business and as a company, you need a team. And that's no matter how you assemble that team, it's just important to keep that in mind. And it's important to just assess you know, what, what is the best way for you that's going to keep you most in alignment with your artistic vision and with your overall mission, you know, yeah. the, the impact you want to have, the the people you want to serve.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome to you say that. Uh, so so now so so now I have you here. Um, I want to talk about your your PR community that you're working with right now, Brandy Inc. Um, so, what drove drove you to work with her and her company? Because I mean, you know, there's there's all kinds of PR people, PR companies, some bad, some terrible, some good, some perfect. What, what took you to work with her to make it like like a full blown, like hundred percent connection?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was just an intuitive decision. You know, it was it was toward the end of last year, uh, and yeah, I you know, the, I'll be the Quinn spin, my podcast will be turning ten in oh, August. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's it's, uh, it's 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 been a long road yeah. you know and like many iterations you know along the way just like trying to build this platform and i got to a point where like i said you know i i started to realize like I've gone as far as I can go by myself, you know, like I've built this thing. And like, you know, even at that point, like, you know, as an independent project, like I'm really proud of the work we've done, but it it was just time to start assembling a team around, around this. And that team continues to grow in ways that I can't quite reveal yet, but like it started when Brandy had emailed me and reached out and, you know, usually, like, it's always a 50-50 chance, like, if somebody's offering a business service, of whether I open the email or not, you right. know, depending on where I am in the day and, you know, like, what else is going on. But I'm just like, you know what? I am interested in maybe exploring PR, so I opened it. We had our discovery call, and it just it just seemed to align. It was a match. And, again, like, I'm glad I did that because, like, she and her team have helped so much in building underground music collective into what it is and also what it's becoming, which again, can't reveal all the details. on right, that. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> but, but we have so much, so much going on, you know, and it really, you know, more than anything, you know, of course the media relations part is important, you know, more than anything, like the accountability, because like, again, it's easy when you're just in the weeds all on your own, like just trying to make the money, Trying to put out the fires, trying to pay the bills, like trying to do all that stuff to like put off the big picture to you know the proverbial someday, right? Right. And you know, it was just time. Like I wanted someday to come in 2023. And what the the thing above all else that I'm really appreciating, and that I'm I look for in all my collaborations going forward is like the accountability. Piece and okay, like hey, they need this for me to push this project forward. Okay, well then I have to do my part for this big picture piece right now. I'm not waiting three six months, you know. I'm <laughs> not just okay. pushing it off. Yeah. Like oh, I'll do that next yeah. week, next week, and then you know six months later, next week still hasn't come. You know, right? Yeah. Like it's it's just good to have like the accountability partner, you know. And that's what really you know inspired me to take this full turn into coaching now too, is because like how many artists need that? How many artists need that person? Like hey, where are you on this goal? Like helping them set the goals in the first place, identify the things that are important so they can put to the side, the things that aren't important to the vision right now. Right. You know? And so, you know, but from the beginning, you know, and again, I'm, this is at this point, I'm looking for this in all my working relationships, like the vision, you know, the, the shared vision has to be there as far as what this can be, where this can go. And the overall objective is to serve and to create a platform that can provide opportunities to people not only in terms of getting their music reviewed or featured but like educational opportunities you know we've since you know over the past few months you know we've started uh bringing in contributors guest contributors for our wednesday wisdom series where it's music industry people providing some insight about their experiences in the industry that happens every wednesday we've got one as of this interview recording i'm not sure when this is going out but like we've got one coming out tomorrow and the following wednesday and every wednesday you know for for the foreseeable future we've got virtual panels taking place uh, this month in April when we're recording is jazz appreciation month. So we put together a jazz appreciation month panel, our jam round table yeah. Uh, yeah. in March. We did a, a women's history month panel in February. We did a black history month panel and we're planning the next ones and the next one. So it's like, but we, I mean, without a team, like I'm one person, right. you know, yes. I can it's so like, hard. Yeah. Yeah. For me to do that and drive all the content forward and make sure my clients are happy. Cause like I'm taking on a lot of little, and some bigger like client projects too, like in terms of content creation, coaching, that kind of thing. It's like, it's a lot of hats to wear. And eventually you just need to take some of the hats off your head and give them to other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's super hard. Like, like you said, it's super hard doing this by yourself, you know, cause oh. it's just me and me and my, um, co-host Blake and we're trying to find some spots right now. You know, um, we did offer to, um, to have, I P- have a PR co- a PR company work, work, work with us but we're like i don't you know we we we, we need the funds first because i work out back he works at you know where we, um like a car insurance company and we don't have the funds yet so it's very hard you know getting started but once you get rolling yeah teamwork gives t- teamwork teamwork makes the dream work i always say you know and that's true for yeah. everybody
2: of course and i you know on, on the on the funding piece too you know i you know I I I've been self-employed since the beginning of 2021. So I'm like I'm at the point where, you know, by the end of last year beginning of this year, like I was used to going out and making the money. Oh, right, yeah. I mean? Like yeah. yeah. Well, like once you get that rolling, like you like you become so much more resourceful yeah. you, you know, yeah. and it's like, okay, what number do I need to hit this month? You know? And how do I intend to do that? Like, okay. And then it, it causes you to take a look at your business processes. It causes you to take a look at your rates and how much you charge, you know, if you're self-employed and offering a service to somebody and you know, it's, it's a constant adjusting of the sales, you know, it's like, You know, you have to make sure you're going in the right direction. The sales have to be pointed the right way. Yeah, and part of that, of course, part of any investment, part of building any business, part of building a life for yourself, is making sure the financials are in order. We live in a capitalistic society; that's the way it is. It's part of the game. So it's it's really just giving yourself that opportunity to be like, okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to show up? Like, and it comes right down to personal habits too. Okay do I need to start waking up earlier? Do I need to manage my time better? You know, do I need to start hanging out with more people like this and fewer people like that? You know, like what are my activities? What are my habits? Like, how is that all feeding in? Because it does all feed in. And I think like there was always so much emphasis growing up and in school. And even, you know, when I first got in the working world on while you need to separate business and personal, and while that's definitely true to a degree, you know, like there's so much about one that informs the other, I find, you know, like the way you show up in your life, the habits you have, the, the people you surround yourself by, the activities you engage in on a daily basis, ultimately inform how your entrepreneurial endeavor is going to turn out. And I think that's very important to keep in mind because like, you know, and when I was younger, certainly like, you know there would be definitely nights where I'd stay out too late on Saturday and half a Sunday if not all <laughs> of it was sabotaged you know right, like we've yeah, all been there yeah you know yeah. I'm not I'm not revealing anything that you know most of us haven't been through but over time you start to realize like that's really not helping me you know right. what I mean or like you know okay I just binged four hours of a show well that's four hours I could have been like doing something productive yeah. right yeah, you know yeah. like you know I could have picked up a gig for that and you know I, and you know that is to say like also you don't want to burn yourself out and you want to make time for you but i think over time part of my journey too has been finding healthier ways to do that i'm very much into fitness now that is a very important part of my day that's the i half joke because it's not a complete joke (laughs) Uh, you know that's Mm. the one hour a day i get to myself and my phone's away right you know but it's important because like the rest of the day i'm either working or i'm sleeping to get up for the next day and do it all over again at this at this very point in time and like you know i don't not that you know your entire life needs to be that grind period and sometimes there is you know a good time to pause and reflect and really readjust things right and to kind of go through those winters as it were where you're really reflective and you're going inward but then there are times to make hey well the sun shines you know those those proverbial summers where it's just like hey i'm in a good place i've got everything rolling right now So I'm going to go make this happen, you know, and I've, I've got, you know, I've I've happened to find myself after a couple of challenging years in 2021 and 2022, where I'm like, I'm in that proverbial summer now where it's like, you know, people are like, slow down. I'm like, no, I feel completely in my element, not close to burning out right now, because it's just like, I'm excited. I'm excited about the growth. I'm excited about everything that's happened over these 10 years to bring us here. You know, the experiences I've had the opportunity to have the, lessons I've had the opportunity to learn, the mistakes I've made, you know, although maybe they weren't fun at the time, like have all led to this point now where like, we have the opportunity to build something special and we have the opportunity to do some really cool things, you know, coming up here over the next few months that like, I'm really excited about. And it's like, of course, I want to show up for that every day. I've- you know, like I used to never be a morning person. I love getting up at five, six o'clock now because it's like, let's get going, let's get started. Let me get all the client social media stuff out of the way and all of our content out of the way. So now I've got the rest of the day to push this thing forward and to go make the money that I need to make and to go do the things that I need to do to make sure it moves forward. You know, and realize, and I think part of that too, as much as, as much as it's important to have an accountability partner or a team to hold you accountable. It's also important to be accountable to yourself and really think at the end of the day, did I do what I could today to push this thing forward? Did I do, did I do what I needed to do for myself today too, is really important. You know, am I taking good enough care of myself to where I can show up fully to this? You know, it it is, it's a balancing act. And sometimes, especially when things are busy right now, there's a lot going on. It's tough to keep it in balance, but the most important thing is, if you feel like your cup's full and you feel like you have more to give, then you might as well give it.
1: That's true. because at the end
2: of at the end of our
1: episodes, each one, um, Blake gives a mental health minute to tell mm-hmm. everybody what they can do to make their lives a little bit better than what they were than what they are right now. Yeah, and I think that we all can uh, work on being accountable for what we do with our lives. You know. Mm-hmm. And this goes into my next question. Is uh, this podcast is built around how music helps with depression? Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, and we, and and I've never seen like a lot of a lot of people with depression as as of now because of social media, right? Mm-hmm. So could you uh, tell us about the importance and balance in mental health and self care for artists and creatives alike? Cause it's really, really important, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it is. And it goes back to that point of, you know, the way you show up for yourself is the way you're going to show up for your business and your music is your business, you know? So it, again, it's looking at your habits. It's looking at the, people you hang around with, the things that you spend your free time doing. It's looking at how you treat yourself, your inner dialogue, you know? And are you kind to yourself? Are you patient with yourself? Like, how do you react when things don't work out the way you planned, you know? And really like taking those as opportunities and moments to pause and be like, did I show up the best way I could there? Could I have been kinder to myself? Could I have been kinder to this person? Could I have have spent my time doing something more productive? Could I have spent my time resting, taking care of myself, you know, doing something to fill my cup. So I have more to give. it's important to always assess where we are. And I, this is something that like, for me, especially over the past couple of years, I've had, I've had to get way better at because like I would go and go and go till the wheels fall off and, you know, and, and I wouldn't, I I don't think I had the level of accountability that I do now. You, You know, I was you know i but then you know over the pandemic and especially after you know after i took this leap you know it from being full-time employed into full-time entrepreneur like i i keep saying i keep coming back to this idea that like that leap will show you everything you need to learn about yourself and i don't just mean professionally yeah it's going to show you the skills that you need to improve on but more than anything it's going to show you the holes in your game it's going to show you the ways that you show up and you're responsible for everything when you're self-employed, right. you know, yeah. you first take that it's all lead, on you. Yeah. Yeah. Before you build that team, like it is on you and the way you show up, the decisions you make, the way you take care of yourself, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, that's all going to reflect in your end result. Right. And so I've had to get better at that, you know, cause there were definitely times where, you know, it felt like the wheels are falling off and I didn't know why, you know, but after looking inward, you realize, well, I have a bigger part in this than maybe I've taken responsibility for. And it really, you know, again, it helps you point your compass. It helps you readjust the sales and get you going in a direction that's more in alignment with your vision. But also I think most importantly, like helping you become the person that you need to be so that that vision comes to life in the first place. And you don't get there without going through some rough periods and some some challenges, Mm. but also you don't get there without facing your trauma facing you know your demons quote unquote and going back and understanding you know if your reactions to certain things are adverse or you're not getting what you want you know out of your relationships out of your business like really looking at your history and looking at the parts of you that maybe are informing that and seeing what you can do to catch those earlier and seeing how you can redefine your relationship with those things. You know, I think for me, a big one was fear and discomfort. I, you know, when I took the leap, I was terrified well into the leap. I was terrified, you know? And I like, I felt like I didn't know how to go out and make money. I felt like I didn't know how to go out and build, you know? And I remember there was a point after the leap where I'm like, man, how am I going to make $3,000 a month, which is not a lot of money at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was my, that was my bare minimum expense. And now it's like, Well, you go and you figure it out, you know, and you go and you figure yourself out to the level where, you know, you, you come to understand and appreciate yourself. You come to understand and appreciate your strengths. You come to understand and appreciate the things that need improvement, but be gentle with yourself about them. Don't, don't let this, you know, negative internal dialogue get the better of you to where it makes you, it makes you feel worse about yourself. You know, there's always something. To be said for you know recognizing your own patterns but then addressing them in a positive constructive supportive way you know i i keep hearing i listen to uh the school of greatness by lewis Howes a lot that's probably my number one podcast besides my own because everybody loves their own right. uh, <laughs> and uh, I, f- I forget who the guest was because i've listened to a lot of episodes of that show but if if uh, w- one guest was saying, like, you know, if you talk to somebody else the way you talk to yourself, would that person want to hang out with you? Would that person want anything to do with you? And for a lot of us, the answer to that is no. <laughs> you know, right. like if we, if we look at it, like if you're running around saying things like, oh, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm this and that, like, yeah. who could you talk to like that and ha- expect to still have a relationship with that person, let alone a good one. right? You yeah. know? <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, turn that in on yourself now. Like if you're, if you're saying that type of thing to yourself, then that's something that you really need to take a look at. And I'm a huge advocate, of course, for, you know, any kind of wellness that makes you feel more in alignment, whether that's getting outside, whether that's having a workout routine, eating better. And, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate for therapy, too, because, I'll, you know, it helps you bounce these things about yourself that maybe you can't quite unlock off of an objective source, you know, and get those solutions. But the key is telling the truth in those sessions, I think. And the key is, you know, being open to that ob- objective feedback, that constructive feedback that's not meant to criticize you, but meant to guide you. I, you know, and I think I'm so glad to see now especially within the past five to 10 years and especially among among men Mm -hmm. like so much less of a stigma around therapy we still have a lot of work to do but like you know we as men and especially as male entrepreneurs like we haven't had the opportunity it hasn't been widely accepted until very very recently to be open and vulnerable i mean i've had people tell me within the past two years like don't share too much people won't take you seriously as an entrepreneur and that's just not how I fly, as you probably right. understand at this yeah. point. <laughs> right. like, yeah, yeah. That's just not how I fly. Like, I'm going to share things and I'm going to share the ugly parts too, because it's all part of the story and we all go through these things. And what happens is so often we hold these things in and let them eat us alive. And that's where it starts to come out in bad habits, it starts to come out in our behaviors, it starts to come out in addictions. You know, if it, if it gets to that certain point, like the things that go unaddressed within us manifest themselves in other ways, they're still there until you pull them out and take a look at them, they're going to be there. And if you don't look at them and if you don't address them, and if you don't change your relationship with those things, then what's going to happen, you know, it's just going to build and build and build until you get to this boiling point. And, you know, I can say that from experience and I'm so happy, you know, now to be at a point in my life where I understand that and where I, you know, where I have such a better relationship with myself. I, I I keep saying to people in my circle, like, My inner dialogue is the best it's ever been. And that took a long way to get there because, you know, growing up, you know, going through school, there was a lot of bullying. There was a lot of being told who I wasn't, what I couldn't do, you know, and like, I listened to that. I think for the first 30 years of my life, I was listening to what I couldn't do and who I wasn't and who I couldn't be, you know, and I think, you know, within the the first half of my thirties now into my second, I'm 36, like Mm -hmm. it's been undoing all of that wiring And having to get really uncomfortable, you know, and that process, I think, really started during COVID and continued through this leap. And now I'm at a point where it's like, you know, even looking three, four years ago, like the internal dialogue was awful, right, you know, and, and the ways that the ways that I chose to express that internal dialogue maybe weren't the most productive ways. Whereas now it's like, I have a much better relationship with it. I have a much better relationship with all those things I named, you know, going, going back, going back in a childhood, back in a school, because I have a better relationship with myself. And I realize I think now more than ever, like, one bad interaction, one bad thing that happens in our lives, it doesn't define us. You know, mm-hmm. our our traumas don't define us, but our responses to those traumas, our responses to the things we've had to overcome ultimately are what, what do. So, and that's something that, you know, I've always kind of picked at, but like, I think over the past year or two, really turned a corner into like, appreciating that more and internalizing it. Right. So I
1: will say this first. I'm not a good reader. <laughs> Sometimes I read things wrong. Um, but I, I think I read that you are a cancer survivor. Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to, offend you or anything. Um, but for, for everybody who, who was listening to the show, um, you can go to underground and, uh, use the code 20 years, all one word to get 20% off. um, because it's been 20 years since you um got rid of the cancer
2: correct. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll be extending that code actually through this week. So oh, okay, nice. You just just um just quick story about yeah. you know oh, about you the do. Yeah, yeah. Ordeal. yeah. I you know, it was interesting because like when you think cancer survivor, you think like chemotherapy, radiation, right. and all yeah. that. I didn't have to go through any of that, but also if I had to It may not have, I might not be sitting here talking to you. I had a very Mm. malignant tumor in my left ring finger. It was a fibrous, histiocytic sarcoma. Mm. And you'll notice my left ring finger is not there anymore. Uh, They amputated it from the wrist and they pinned my pinky and my middle together because I played football and I still wanted to be able to catch (laughs) But, Uh, but the first thing was surviving that I mean it was from diagnosis to surgery 16 days like the clock was ticking you know we went I was living in northern New Jersey at this point and my parents and I were going to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia I was 16 at the time I mean within those two weeks like most of the days were between Long Valley where I'm from in northern New Jersey and Philly two hour drive one way and all the tests, all the all the MRI scans, everything like showed this thing didn't go anywhere. So let's get it out before it does. And so that was March 31st. I was diagnosed April 15th. Uh, so I just hit 20 years on April 15th because uh, this was 2003, and uh, that's when the surgery was. You know, and they they took the finger, they took some lymph nodes, make sure you know it hadn't you know no cells had spread, which. You know, none had, fortunately, but, you know, what that did, you know, was really, you know, made me appreciate the gift of life, you know, and made me realize, you know, I think that was really my first recentering in my life, you know, my first understanding of like, wow, this is a gift not to be squandered, you know, and it was I certainly for my adolescent years from the first, you know, stages of my life, one of my most important teachers was that experience. Yeah, and of course, you stumble your teenager, early 20s, you know, even up until like by no means did it solve all my problems or make me a perfect person. There, and there have definitely been points along the journey where, you know, maybe I lost that perspective a bit, you know, especially, you know, dealing with, you know, mental health challenges that we all deal with and not really, you know, understanding the bigger picture of where we are and what got us here. But, you know, certainly it was one of those experiences, it was so formative, you know, it's one of those things where I really you know, had to appreciate it And it gave me something to strive for. Cause look, I wanted to play football. I wanted to play my junior season. This was April and they were telling me 12 months. I was going to miss the whole season by that prognosis. And what I did was I just went to physical therapy. As soon as I got that cast off, I, I went, multiple times a week I think I went in a couple days I wasn't supposed to go I just kind of did a did a (laughs) walk-in um thankfully for health insurance at the time you know I was still on my parents uh at that point in my life and yeah like I remember there was one time we were going to summer sanitarium at giant Stadium my sister and I uh, it was Metallica, Limp Bizkit, Lincoln park, deaf tones and mud But before we went, I'm like, mm. but we got to go to physical therapy because it's one of my physical therapy days <laughs> and got to do you know, that first. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was important to me, you know, and, <clears throat> A bit better,
2: yeah. 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 You know, and it just, um, from 12 months, it got knocked down to eight. Then it got knocked down to six. And then I go in August and I'm cleared. Four months later, I get to go do full contact. I had to wear something over it that entire season, but like, you know, I was there. I made it. And it really taught me a lot about resilience, taught me a lot about what I was capable of. And definitely, I look to that 16 year old kid now. And I'm like, Mm. I think like, a part of me thinks like, I didn't quite realize the gravity fully in my youth and my ignorance (laughs) of like, what could have happened, you know, if I was a little less lucky. But also like, you know, so like, I looked at that kid as like, all right. It was, there was just something workmanlike. It's like, okay, well, what test do we have today? Let's go, let's yeah. do it. Let's get this thing done. You know, so I can get back on the football field. Like I wish I had that little anxiety about life right now, yeah. <laughs> you know right. I mean? yeah. right. you know, yeah. but also I looked at that kid, you know, because there were moments of fear. There were like, there were absolute moments of terror. I remember after surgery, like, you know, I think it finally hit me like a week after surgery when I'm laying on the couch and I'm like, just, Scared, what if it comes back? Like what what happens? And like I remember because April 15th just passed, I just hit 20 years. The day before it was warm outside. My legs were I, I work out a lot, and sometimes I work out too much. And my legs were just dead this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like,
1: yeah. and I'm like
2: yeah. well, it's cardio day, so buck up, cowboy, you know. Yeah. And I was like, I was struggling the entire workout. And you know, I I just toward the end of it, like started getting this sense of like resilience again. And I put on One of the most important songs for me in in that time, from that time frame, was the song called Sorry from Our Lady Peace. And that was the album was Gravity. That was the first album of theirs. That was the album that made me a fan. Right. And there were songs like that, Innocent, Not Enough off that album, that like really like have come to represent this journey. And I just remember I'm in the middle of this workout last week as of recording, and I'm like, I'm dogging it toward the end. And I'm like, you know what? I got to get through this and I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm not, t- I'm not cutting any corners say Cause you know what? That kid 20 years ago would give anything to be here right now. Yeah. would give anything to know that he's here and he's able to do this and you're going to push. And I'm like, go like, I queued it up. And I'm like, you show that kid, you've got his back right now. And I did. And oh, I yeah. finished the workout. I had, an yeah. extra sprint. I had an extra sprint at the end because I'm like, you know what? Just for good measure, we're showing that kid we've got us back. There you go. You know? there you go. And we're setting a new standard, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you don't think you could do something, you do it. And then you do a little more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's still like, you know, hitting 20 years is such a trip. And usually, you know, I have so much to say that day, you know, like so much to say about it on social media, whatever. This year, it was just like, you know what? life's amazing and i'm here and let's keep going story continues on to 21 on to everything we're building let's go let's mm-hmm. let's live let's live the life that that experience you know mm-hmm. gave gave me the opportunity to live mm-hmm. so it's it's something i absolutely i mean i have no choice but to carry it with me every time i look at my left hand there's a reminder <laughs> you know. right
1: it's right what? there in front of you yeah yeah
2: but but it's also your relationship with it you know i could have mm-hmm. Looking back, I could have, you know, when I was 16, been like, oh, poor me, I'm going to be out for a year. Mm. Or I could have done what I did. And that was, I'm not being out for a year. I'm mm. not missing my junior season because right. then I only got one more left. And goodbye, right. college football, you know, without missing that year, that whole gap. Like it would have been a lot tougher, you know, for me to really get back in the swing, you know. And I was just starting to get to a point where I felt like I could compete. So it's like, I wasn't willing to miss. I wasn't willing to quit. And I could have taken that prognosis and be like, well, it's gonna be 12 months. So that's what the doctor said. This one, and I love my doctors from back then. Don't get me wrong. But that was the one point where I'm like, uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nope. Yeah. No, we're gonna see, we're gonna see how far we can push that. And four months. for like I remember going and doing all the grip tests, the strength tests. And I remember my surgeon, a guy by the name of Earl Fliegler, uh, Philadelphia. He as we go through the tests, he's he's just sitting there and he's like, his eyes are wide, he's like I've never seen anybody recover like this. And I'm just uh, like, I'm sitting there like, Yep, So am my good. He's like, You're good. <laughs> yeah. Can I go home? You know? Yep. You can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you still had to go for the follow up. Oh, yeah. But I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, I was going for MRIs yeah. for the next five years just to make sure nothing came back because, you know, which is good. What you do. Yeah, yeah. And and then my mom, uh, my mom had a very she had a similar situation in her left wrist, you know, same extremity. And within a year, we had both had surgery performed by the same physician in the same hospital, you know? So like, but then we'd go to our follow-up appointments together and make a day of it, you know, for even after I was done, you know, after my five years, I would still go with her to her appointments and do the grip tests and everything. And she just, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd make a day of it. It it became something, it became something of a bonding experience of of quality time after a while, you know, something that was once so scary, you know, in Mm -hmm. those, in those uncertain days, you know, when I'm going through it, and then she is right after, like, it's like, yeah, we're going to Philly today. And then what do you think about stopping here on the way back? (laughs) You know, like Uh, it really, it really became, you know, something enjoyable. And, you know, she passed unexpectedly in 2015 and something I cherish, you know, it's something, you know, we shared that experience. We survived cancer together, you know, and I look at, you know, I look at this opportunity for me since, since my ordeal is a second chance. And, you know, since she passed, it's like, well, I'm playing for two for as long as I'm here. And that's, that's just it, you know? So I'm going to do what I can to honor her. You know, I keep, uh, you know, I I keep thinking about the future underground music collective and I keep thinking about our relationship and how, like in the early days of the podcast, before she passed unexpectedly, like she supported us, you know, everything we needed, whether it was advice, whether it was tough love, you know, (laughs) at midnight over a cup of tea, whether it was, you know, we put on a, a benefit concert, uh you know for the American Cancer Society and we you know we were looking for donors and she dropped us five hundred bucks anon- an- and on anonymously said don't tell it an- don't tell your don't tell your father you know but like she was always there and supported us and you know I just want to keep finding ways to honor that legacy and honor that relationship and I have plans to incorporate that in underground music collective uh as the years go on that I'm not quite ready to reveal yet but like yeah. you know it's you know Definitely the most important relationship I've ever had. You know, she's my best friend to this day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's in large part due to what we went through together, but even, you know, aside from that, you know, just the one person who no matter what always had my back. Mm-hmm. So. We well, something a lot of like
1: about me because, because I was born with cerebral palsy and the doctors told my mom, I don't think he can walk, you know, and my mom's mm-hmm. like, you want a bet, brother, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. doing everything that I, I, not 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 to toot my own horn, but 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 I do stuff that people are like scared scared to do. You know, speak in front of two hundred people. I've done that. You know, I've done, I've been the master several. So I so I I understand totally where you're coming from, and I love the fact that you're here with us today talking to
2: me about this. So Thank Thanks. you for and, yeah, and congratulations. Okay. You know, on on your journey too. Yeah. You know, because like when we're told something, when we're told, you know you'll never be this. You'll never do that. Yeah. You know, like we, again, we have that choice. Yeah, We have that choice to believe it, or we have the choice to defy that. And you know, that's, that's the thing is like, once you defy those odds, you start getting a taste for it. It's like, well, what other odds can I defy? Right. Yes. It, you know? And yeah. it, it's, those are the stories like yours is the type of story that drives people forward, that drives society forward. Cause without those stories, this is a pretty mundane existence. Well, you know yours is I mean? too.
1: You know, I mean, I mean, don't don't exclude yourself. I mean, you, I mean, you got a powerful story.
2: You know. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and it's you know, I think I struggled to lean into it for a long time. You know, because yeah. it's like, because like, there's part of you like, and you know, there's part of society that tells us not to be that person that toots their own horn. Right. But it's like, but but then sometimes you, you have sometimes you have to do that. You know, to get people aware you know, you should celebrate yourself. You should celebrate your story and what you've been through. Right. Because that made you who you are, yep. you know, and that's like, you know, nobody can take that away from you, you know? And I, I remember, you know, after surgery in high school, like I'd talk openly about cancer and I talk about it and I did have people be like, well, stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's just like, you want attention. It's like, no, mm. I went through this And I'm going to share it, you know, and I remember like there was one particularly positive thing about about, like what it taught me that I shared and I got that kind of reaction. I'm like, you know what, when somebody reacts like that, like that is a response that's coming from something within themselves that they're not satisfied with. Mm. And that's something that I've had to like really learn and relearn over the course of my life is like when somebody's casting that kind of judgment on you, you know, for for celebrating yourself, for celebrating your wins, it's not a reflection on you. You know it, it it's it got nothing to do with narcissism or what people want to label it as it's somebody somebody's unhappy with something in themselves and they're projecting it outward you know and so shine on celebrate yourself celebrate your story because like with again without the things we overcome who are we you know
1: yeah i uh i don't know yeah yeah i i, I just mean buy it from anything yeah yeah um i agree because um because your story might enable somebody else to move on from there, whatever they have to do, you know. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very powerful tool. And I and I do agree with you. Sometimes you do have to toot your own horn, you know. Yeah. Yeah. People... What's that?
2: What's that meme? Like your story becomes someone else's survival guide. You there know. Yeah. And, and I've seen that shared so many times that it seems cliche to me. <laughs> but, but like, there's yeah. truth. And it's true. You know? yeah. It, yeah. it's it's a cliche and it's so repeated because it's true. Like the thing. Like again, we're all here to. You know, to help each other along this ride and, you know, bring things full circle back to Underground Music Collective without our stories as creatives, as artists. Like, how do we move our creative mediums forward? How do we help each other grow? You know, if we're not sharing the truth of who we are and what we do and what we do, do right, then, <laughs> then nobody's moving forward. And it's just yeah. this merry-go-round of, you know, just doing a thing just to do a thing, but there's got to be a purpose, there's got to be a mission and vision behind it. Exactly. And, You know, I I think, you know, I think a lot of people haven't really thought about what theirs is, but I think a lot of people are afraid to express it because of fear of judgment, because of fear of failure, and even the fear of success and how their lives will change if that, you know, does lead them to success. And will they be able to handle that success? And like, how will their relationships change from it? But at the end of the day, you know, we all have a purpose and we all have something that drives us. And some, for some of us, it's buried underneath layers and layers and layers and years of conditioning. Mm-hmm. But it's there. And, uh, you know, if, if this is still beaten, it's still there. And so it's, it's up to you to find it. Yeah. It's up to you to find it and do something with it. Nice.
1: So I have five more questions. Four of them are going to be rapid fire. Please elaborate if you want to. Sure. Um. So, uh, so these two questions, I'm going to give you two bands to pick from. You tell me which one would you rather listen to right now. Okay. Now, now, which one's better? Because I mean, okay, so I got Metallica or Megadeth. Metallica. I got uh, Deftones or Incubus.
2: Incubus. Nice,
1: nice. I they're I, one of my favorites. I they're, agree with you. Yeah, they're yeah. on my
2: bucket list for sure. Yeah, uh,
1: they, 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 they're very hard to get to see in concert because they almost sell all their shows within like forty-five minutes. It's insane, bro. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah. The year after I moved here, they were they finally got you know uh they were finally booked to play the main stage up at music Fest in Bethlehem and I'm like man you guys and I w- I've worked there for years I still go back and work th- work there in August it's kind of like a vacation for me right and I'm like man the year after I move you guys book incubus come on <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch yeah yeah so
1: okay um now these is two questions I I want you to kind of elaborate because they're I mean to you they're subjective so what is your favorite concert ever it's yeah, it's a hard one. Oh, because I know gosh. you've seen a lot, right? You're like yeah. me. You've seen a uh, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, can I give you two? Sure, that allowed.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Well, there's there's three. Okay. The honorable mention is last year, New Kids on the Block at Bridgestone because <laughs> right, that the new was kids, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one me getting one back because my brother and sister got to go to Giant Stadium when I was two, and I didn't get to go because I was two. Right. But so that was me getting one back. But um. Bon Jovi 2008 <laughs> in Madison Square Garden. Ooh, My that. sister and I went. Amazing show. It was like they were playing back-to-back nights at the Garden. I got tickets on like StubHub or whatever StubHub was at the time. I don't yeah, know. Like yeah. it was 2008. But like we got on the night. Like I made a snap decision. I was sitting at a Panera and I'm like, I want to go to the show tomorrow. I feel like I'm missing out. Click. I just spent a whole bunch of money, which in 2008 right. I'm a college student. Like I probably shouldn't have done that, but it's fine. Um, and it was – the best i i've seen them four times it was the best of the four wow like seen oh. like it was so much fun they played uh, the lost highway album just come out that's one of my favorite albums of theirs and really of all time i thought the songwriting on that was tremendous that's when they kind of took that little country turn uh country-ish turn i would say you know they're still bon jovi but you know with a lot more country elements and that i love that record and they played so many songs from that record and that was a great show and then i've got a I've got to give it to Our Lady Peace, 2012. Uh, yeah, that was the first time I great. saw them. I had been a fan of theirs for a decade at this point. I mean, again, that's the band that got me through cancer. You know, you like <laughs> and got to get rid of re- them. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when they played Innocent during that show. Like the tears, the tears yeah, came. Yeah. You know, and I, re- I like at one point, they're, like I made eye contact with Rain Maida, the lead singer, and like I just saw a smile come across his face. Oh, you know, I'm like. Yep. yep you got me man yeah. you got me like that song like there's a line in that song like um you know we, you know it's talking about one of the protagonists in the song Wish she never heard of cancer and that like again that song yeah. is hitting at the right time and it's just this song about like you know understanding who you want to be in your lot in life and like realizing that we all have that story we all have that voice inside of us and mm-hmm. like that song was out and, and relevant in the mainstream at a time when. I needed that message and certainly through that ordeal. And so like to get to hear that live and so many others live, I mean, I've seen them five times now and, you know, hopefully many more to come just brilliant artists, brilliant songwriters. I mean, that was the, the, it's those, it's those two shows, you know, that was, that was more of a club venue. And then the Bon Jovi show, of course, was an arena show. So I went big and I went a little more intimate. So there you go. uh, Worst concert ever. You know, I have one. Have you ever
1: slept through a concert? No. Like no, that's guilty.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know that I have a worse. I, I, I know I know that sounds like a political <laughs> answer, but like, right, yeah, yeah. I generally just try to make the most of. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. like I and I generally try not to go see things I don't like too. So like that's, <laughs> <what I would laughs> that's thing. like. A, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever left a concert that I've paid money for disappointed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I've always been pretty, pretty happy with the, the concerts I've chosen to go see. I mean, I don't know. I, the, that's a tough one because I don't really know that any of that come to mind because I've tended to avoid things. That's fine. The- that's. I mean, <laughs> I mean. I mean. I mean. You don't have to have an answer. You know. <laughs> so yeah, because
1: yeah, um uh three have you heard of one. I know. Okay. No. Yeah. That was a console. last like, sl- I don't know if it was just dog tired or, or wanting because, because machine head was, was head- headlining. Right. And I mm-hmm. still wanted to come out. So I just, I don't know. I just slipped through their set. I'm sorry. Three, but I, you know, I mean, it is what it is now. It happened like five, six years ago, which yeah. I'm sure, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're, they're, they're doing a lot better now. <laughs> um, so, okay, so we have one more question and then we'll let you go. Um, this podcast is called When Words Virtual Music Speaks and that's far nothing far from the truth. I want to know from you right now, is there a, a song, artist, or uh, album that you can tell me that can move you to no end? Like, you can't tell me or anybody else how it makes you feel deep inside your
2: soul yeah um i mean this might be another one where i cheat and give you two uh (laughs) bring it on well i gotta go to our lady Peace. yeah and burn burn actually i'm i'm not answering with gravity because burn burn came out in 2009 and that was like it was just one of those out it's my favorite album of all time like enduring like it's just one of those albums like it came out at the right time in my life and every single song hit like every single song was like relevant to something that was happening in my life. And I keep finding myself coming back to those songs over the years and finding new meaning in them. Mm. You know, there's a song uh, called the end is where we begin, which is this really hopeful optimistic song. It's like, well, you know, your world might've just burned down, but like that creates new possibilities, you know, and I've definitely found myself Mm. in a few positions over the years in various ways, starting over. And like, I come back to that one. Uh, there's a song called Escape Artist that deals with closure and definitely have had to close doors on chapters, you know, in my life, Especially, you know, and especially since that a- album came out that maybe I wasn't ready to close. Um, and so it's it's, you know, about being at peace with that and kind of marching through that no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. and realizing there's no turning back from this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just have to find a way to move forward. A song called Refuge on that album. I mean, I became an uncle for the first time and I haven't talked about her on this show, but my niece, Amber, you know, she and I are really close. She's going to be 14 now, which is hard to believe, but she was born like pretty much three months of the day after that album. That song was released. And it's just about like holding this person for the first time and realizing there's, you know, there's nothing you wouldn't do to protect this person and, and show them the way um paper moon is the album closer you know we've all had those days where we're just kind of dragging to the end and it's like i got to get up and do this tomorrow you know where's the meaning in this you know that definitely resonated a lot in my early 20s as i was trying to find my way professionally i mean those are just a few examples and then my current answer is midnight control from dirty heads um there's a song in particular well there are a (laughs) lot of songs in that album that like (laughs) it came out the end of last summer Right as I was getting ready, like I had spent five weeks back home up north, kind of recharging my battery, you know, like seeing friends, seeing family. And I it came out right toward the end of that trip. And I go to Cape May, New Jersey every year. It's called the Cape May Caper. And that song was the soundtrack to that weekend. <laughs> and there are a few songs. I mean, one in particular that's standing after me that really informs this current part of the journey is a song Indigo, because it's about, you know, people who realize that they have something to share. And that it's their responsibility to light the way for others. And there's this um, there's this line in it that I hope I don't butcher it. <laughs> it's our it's our time yeah. to shine light upon the darkest souls. I follow those who search for more than just a common role. Mm. And it's like that's the community that I'm building. Like yeah. if I could put that like if you know if I had and one day, you know, it is a goal for us to have our own physical headquarters like that quote would be on a wall somewhere in the physical headquarters, you know, because it's like that's what we're here to do. And we're here to light the way. And it's like, you know, give people a voice, give people a platform. And that's not like I find myself daily playing that song at least once just to like because, you know, it, it, look, I love the journey. I love what we're doing, but there are definitely tough moments. There are moments where I need that extra little boost. Yeah. And that song is, is it. And there's another song on that album, Shade, you know, uh, which is just this serene, like beautiful little ballad about just like realizing that the battles you've fought the wars you've waged a lot of them with yourselves, like you don't need to do that. And it's just like, you can find this peace. And I just remember being in Cape May. La- Cape May point. Yeah. That's where the trip ends. That's where the weekend ends every week is on, at, at the state park on the beach there. And just looking around and that song was just playing in my head, you know, and there's another line in that song, another duddy line, the worries I had never made any sense and all the struggle that I had always started within. And you know there was again you know it was the the end of a period of a lot of like i guess you know inner searching and realizing you know like this is definitely the path i belong on and i felt like in that moment and you know with with the help of that album and that song just playing on loop in my head as i'm standing there on that beach like i realized it and i was ready to come back to nashville and do everything we're doing now you know so that those two albums i mean they're one and one a for me at this point like they're both as important as the other and i could listen to them front to back nice time. yeah so it's
1: always good to uh to be um i guess like like revitalized by your favorite songs you know because they they help us through the dark times as well as the good times you
2: know absolutely absolutely and those all of those that i've named have had their role for sure
1: So everybody who's listening, you can go to undergroundmusiccollective.com and find him on there. And he has a contact page. So look him up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. I I, I I saw he have a LinkedIn. And oh, and um, now till next week, uh, you can use the 20% off code 20 years on any of the store products he has. Yeah. Correct? Right. Okay, so when is that code not going to be eligible anymore?
2: Um, we'll we'll run it till a week after this airs. That's oh, that's we'll perfect, perfect. Be. Yeah, because I'm gonna
1: yeah. re- re- release this like tomorrow or Friday. So that's perfect. perfect. Yes, yes. Um, so Ger- Gerard, I honestly thank you for coming coming on today, and I'm and I'm so glad you're here with us still. And I hope to God you come back on because uh, yeah, we really, really, really want to talk to you again. Sure. I'd love to. Yeah.
2: Anytime. Thanks for having me. Sure. sure. And for everybody else who's
1: listening, always remember when words fail, music speaks. Is- Bye guys.